Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is one of the most remarkable stats that I've heard about the Tampa Bay Lightning in their back-to-back title runs. And kind of knew it was true. But then you see the number and you're like, whoa. So over the past two postseasons, the Lightning have followed each of their 14 defeats with a win in the very next game. That's incredible. They've not lost back-to-back. 14 defeats have been followed with a win the next game, which if they hold serve and that that happens, then they'll they'll be coming home to Tampa 1-1 in their series with Toronto. That's a remarkable record of, of bouncing back for a team that's won two Stanley Cups. Well, that's what number 88 net gives you. That's what a team that hates to lose, maybe mm-hmm. more than they like to win. Sure. That when they lose a playoff game, the one thing I know from the last two seasons is the intensity, the focus, the effort, the next game is better. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't guarantee you win a game, although the last NHL will tell you 14 times they have. I credit it as 13. One of the, if you remember in the bubble two years ago, the Lightning were a top four seed going into the bubble when play stopped at around the 70th game. That's right. And so when they came back, they brought 12 teams from each conference in to the bubble because they hadn't finished the season yet. So how do you punish seeds 9, 10, et cetera, that had a shot to make it to the playoffs, but the season was cut short. So they came up with that. The tournaments of 5 through 12 played, what, best of five series. And then the top four seeds played three round-robin games against each other, and that determined the the seeding one through four. Well, the Lightning lost the last one of those games to, okay. to Philadelphia, which is why Philadelphia took the one seed. Tampa Bay was the two seed in the East. And then the Lightning then went out and beat Columbus in five overtimes in game one. So they count that game as a win after a loss, a even though that yeah. round-robin game didn't mean it. It meant seeding, but it didn't mean anything essentially. Gotcha. So technically it's considered a playoff game because those five through 12 games were playoff games, so they counted all those games in the bubble as playoff games. Mm-hmm. But whether it's 13 or whether it's 14, however you want to slice it, that's pretty impressive. That, 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 that's very impressive to – 13 or 14 straight losses in the playoffs, you come back with a win the next game. That's incredible. It really is. At, at, with the highest stakes, right? Because some of those are, you know, conference title game, uh, conference championships. Some of those are uh, the Stanley Cup championship series, you know. So, I mean, all of that figures into it against the very best teams over the last two years. They, I mean... I think you have to trust, until we see what they do tonight, you have to trust that that this is an experienced team that knows how to make those adjustments. You've talked about this um, many times uh, with me on this podcast about how, you know, it's not like the regular season when you're on a plane and then you're headed to the next city. It, it, you know, you get to dive into this series. You get to analyze and break down, you know, what you did wrong and, and make adjustments because you're playing the same team, you know, every other night. 
And, and that's something the Lightning has done really well. Plus, they're very critical about themselves. Nobody liked the way they played, and they felt like, at least John Cooper said, that they made it way too easy um, for Toronto. So they're going to be better, you would think, and certainly um, they're going to make some adjustments. I, I'm curious to see if there would be any line changes. The, the, the overriding theme I picked up from some of their interviews you know, on Tuesday was that they felt like they just didn't get enough pucks to the net. Like they were, obviously they were getting um, stopped, you know, as they crossed the blue line, getting stood up, you know, at the blue line and, and not having much zone time. Their power play was atrocious. They had a ton of power play opportunities with the five minute and all of that. Um, so there's that, but they just didn't get enough shots. They really didn't put enough pressure, um, you know, on, on Toronto's goaltender. And, and that's simple to say, I think you got to credit Toronto with a lot of that. But I think they're expecting to, uh, you know, to take the game a little more, uh, you know, with 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 a little more pressure on the on the goaltender with more shots. Yeah, I think they have to they have to have more urgency in their game. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. stop trying to pass the puck in the net. That's right. Stop expecting things that have been coming easy of late. The power play, yeah, to just go smooth. I mean, you know, that five minute power play at the beginning of the game where they looked atrocious Mm -hmm. that changed the whole game it did you know i don't think toronto came out firing i mean it it was kind of a typical game one start of teams were kind of feeling each other out right Mm -hmm. they get the 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 five minute major and by the way uh clifford is suspended for game two for that i saw that yeah but they they get that and then toronto pressured tampa bay and just grabbed momentum of that game and then, you know, after that, they got two power plays of their own, continued to push forward, although the Lightning defended the power play pretty well. I mean, the Lightning's penalty kill was pretty good in the game. It was not bad, yeah. I mean, That's they gave true. up the five-on-three. Mm-hmm. When you have a, over a minute of five-on-three time, the odds are they're going to score a goal. It took 14 seconds. It, but yeah, yeah, they did it quickly, <laughs> but it wasn't like it was a 10-second five-on-three where we just got to no, kill 10 no. seconds and then we get back to five-on-four. They had right. a minute there. So as you're setting up, you know, it changes how you set up and how they attack on the power play too. So, but that five minute, they just, they had no urgency there and and Toronto pressured and grabbed the momentum of the game and their confidence. And that's what, that's what really elevated their game. They get that goal late in the first, you know, if you could have got through that first without giving up a goal as badly as they played, I think it changes things. Absolutely. You know, that they did give up the goal, although, you know, Credit Toronto because, you know, Tampa Bay, you're only down one nothing and as poorly as you played. That oh, you're fine. That shouldn't be a deficit yeah. you can't overcome. Mm-hmm. And, but then, you know, Toronto just piled on in the second, and, you know, it ends up being a 5 nothing loss. The score at the end of the day doesn't matter. Whether you lost by one or five, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, the momentum doesn't necessarily carry over game to game. But the intensity – and the level that they have to play at to match Toronto. This is the best Toronto team we've seen in a generation. And, and the best Toronto team they've seen in a generation. And so you've got to match them now. And, and that's, you know, but it, if the Lightning can do that tonight, and if they can come away with the win, you're coming back to Tampa with the series 1-1. If I'd have told you at the beginning of the, the playoffs, you're going to come home to game three at Amelie Arena tied 1-1, would you take it? Yes. Doesn't matter how badly you played in game one, if you can, if you can come out with a win in game two. You're sitting pretty in the series. 
Yeah, nobody remembers the scores of these games. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, in the postseason, it's just you need four wins to move on. You know, you got to get four wins somehow. And that's that was Cooper's point. Is like, look, these are precious. You can't just give them away. And they felt like they did that in game one. On the other hand, Toronto's going to know that the champion's heart's going to beat louder and they're going to come out and they're going to press really hard at the beginning of that game. Mm-hmm. So they're going to try to withstand that as best they can and push back. And if they're able to do that, if they're able to withstand the Lightning's, you know, renewed urgency or whatever you want to call it, um, then they're going to be in pretty good shape. And, and, and so the Lightning, you know, they need to be productive, not just, you know, not, not just more focused or, or more energy. And they certainly could play with that. But, you know, you've got to come out and, and, and I think first goals are important on the road. I think if you can get a lead on the road and not chase it, that's a big deal especially if you're coming off a loss like they had. So, you know, they're waiting on their first goal of the series. You know, that's the other thing. Like, you got shut out. Um, so you need you need to score. That's, um, that's but, a good point. I mean, you know, they have not put the puck in the back of the net. Now, as, you know, John Cooper said, I think one goalie worked hard and the other one wasn't really challenged in the game. No, he wasn't. You know, so, you know, if if you start showing that urgency and putting shots on net, I think good things are going to start happening for this team. And you're right about the passing. I mean, they they, they are such a uh, playmaking team with with Kucherov, and 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 they got so many playmakers on that team. I think when you get in the postseason, those pretty goals, those pretty passes, just aren't there. You know, I think I think you just have to put more on the net, and then you know try to get those dirty goals. You know, like like Corey Perry is known for, like um, you know uh, you know Alex Kalorn and guys that will go hard uh, looking for rebounds and go hunting in there. Maybe get a tip here or there. Um, you just don't. You just don't see those beautiful goals, you know, uh, in the postseason. So you know, it, it's just going to be like they always say: the process, the process. Well, they're going to have to be on their game. And they come down. If they come back two zero, they're not out of the series. But um, as they always say, the series really begins when somebody takes you know wins a road game. But two zero is a pretty big hole to dig. Uh, even though, even though you 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 know you still feel good about your chances of winning in in Amelie, but I don't know. It's a, it's a tough Toronto team. You're right. This Toronto team, there's not much they don't have, you know. And and their best player played really well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you got to have. Your A players have to play like A players. You know, they they need the scoring out of Stamkos. He missed. Look, it, and it, this happens, right? But he did miss a wide open net. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that would have changed the game at that point or not, but you know you got to bury your chances. You're just not going to get as many, and when you get looks like that, you have to finish. You know there was a couple times where they didn't finish, and you know so we'll see. Um, hopefully, you know for the Lightning's sake, if you're a, a Lightning fan, you're not you're not talking about a similar result or a similar effort. I think the effort will be better. It's just whether or not um, they can get the results. So. Lots, uh, lots to look forward to in that series. Uh, some other interesting series going on in the NHL as well. Florida got beat. Yeah, the Capitals. The Florida had a lead two to one going to the third. Yeah. I believe the Panthers were thirty nine zero and one this year when leading going wow. to the third, and they lose. Wow. They lose that one. Uh, as we're taping this, Rangers Pittsburgh in overtime, late in mm-hmm. the first overtime. Yeah, um, tied three three. Rangers scored a goal with about three minutes to go. It was taken off for goalie interference. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was the right call. Um, so, you know, uh, Colorado's starting their play now. So, 
yeah. NHL playoffs, you know, the first round is always crazy. Yeah. There's always upsets in weird games and and things. It's it's that's why it's one of the best playoffs. It's the best period. tournament. And the thing is, like I I'm not like during the year I will not watch. I will not sit down and watch a Rangers Pittsburgh game. Right mm-hmm. in the playoffs, I'll watch all of it. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. It's like I don't even really care who wins necessarily. Um, I just like to watch good hockey. But like this is a good matchup, right? I like I, I mean this Rangers team. I I think a lot of and obviously Pittsburgh's been there before. Uh, and they've got some of the greatest players in the NHL, but it's an interesting series to me. Um, same with the Cap series. I mean, so so it's fun. It's fun to kind of like, you know, just kind of spectate and kind of look in and see how the playoff pressure is 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 being handled. But look, Florida. You talk about a team that had a lot of pressure on them and a lot of expectations. What well, they had won thirteen straight until Tampa Bay did them in their own house, uh, eight to three, I think, about a week or so ago, and. You know, you win the President's Cup, the Lightning know all about that. They all know all about those expectations. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and it's really, it should be Florida's time. I mean, Florida has kind of been knocking on the door, you know, for the last couple of years. And this year they put it all together in the regular season. But, man, it just doesn't mean anything if you can't do it when it counts, you know. So they got to be feeling a little pressure pressure down there in uh, South Florida too. Well, it's two years in a row now that they've uh, lost – Game one on home ice because they That's did that right. to the Lightning last season in that crazy game. So That's right. Yeah, it was nuts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So on Tuesday, we had a chance to talk to some of the Bucks' assistant coaches, mostly the defensive co- coaches and Special teams coordinator uh, Keith Armstrong. It, it's very interesting. You know, some people are probably wondering, you know, after the draft, sort of what the Bucks were thinking by taking a punter out of Georgia, Jake Camarda, um, who, you know, has played four years there for the Bulldogs and kicked in some really big games. You you typically don't use a lot of draft capital on specialists, although God knows the Bucks have, but to, to varying, varying bad results, right? Uh, Roberto Aguayo comes to mind. It, mostly it's been place kickers. Aguayo was done after one year. Then Matt Gay was also taken in the fifth round, um, and he was done after one year, even though you credit Matt Gay for going on with a really good career with the Rams. In fact, his field goal is what beat the Bucks at Raymond James Stadium in the NFC divisional game. So, you know, all of that um, is, is sort of the, the, the downside, the nightmare of, of the Bucks trying to, trying to use draft picks for, for punters. But if you really look at what happened a year ago with Bradley Pinion, who, who did suffer through some injuries, but by the same token, he wasn't very good uh, really before that. He ended up with a 42.5-yard average. That was 34th among Thirty-two qualify or thirty-four qualifiers. There's only thirty-two teams, so you know if you're thirty-fourth among the qualifiers for punting in a thirty-two team league, that's not good. And and then Pinion also struggled with kickoffs at the end. And again, injury is part of his story, but 
you know, he kicked two out of bounds against the Rams. So they go into the postseason thinking we need to upgrade there. Um, Pinion is a $3 million a year non-guaranteed salary, which is easy to walk away from. And then, frankly, you would think they'd want to to create some salary cap room for various things. But it's funny, when you, when you, talk, to, <laughs> when you talk to Keith Armstrong, who's one of the more, like, I don't know, sort of interesting guys to talk to just because one special teams is unlike any other thing, right? Those coaches coach both offensive and defensive players. Normally you're talking to a coordinator on one side of the ball or the other or position coach on one side or the other. And Armstrong knows all the players because, you know, at some point or another they, they end up on teams. Um, but when he talks about them, he's always said this, that when he looks for specialists, whether it's place kickers or something else, he he looks for traits in guys that go beyond like you know just just their jobs. For example, he said um, when he was in Atlanta, and we remember the curse of Matt Bryant because the Bucks cut him. He ended up with the Falcons and becoming a Pro Bowler there. And he said, you know, he he was growing up. He was a really good catcher. He was a baseball player, so he had a little extra stuff to him. And he says, you know, the tougher the kid, um, it's it, it's you know it's good if if you're a kicker. And then he did his research on um, another uh, punter they had in Atlanta, Matt, Matt Bosher, before they drafted him. And he said Bosher was like getting into fist, fist fights in the locker room at the University of Miami, but he was fighting linebackers. <laughs> he was fighting guys that were bigger and, and tougher than him. Um, so he said, you know, you see what I'm saying here? He goes, and, and there's, there's something to this Carmada guy because he's got some toughness. First of all, he, he's, a, he's a tremendous athlete. Um, you know, he, he does a good job with drunk directional punting. He can place the ball. Um, that's what you're going to ask him to do in the NFL anyway. Um, but more than that, uh, he's a great athlete. He was a kid that, that, that played baseball. He didn't have to run the 40, but he did. And he did it, you know, under four or five or somewhere in there or around four or five. So, you know, you, you think about what can we do with this guy. You could do some some things in in the, uh, you know, in the as a holder. You can do some things with him, um, you know, as a punter because of his athleticism. And the biggest thing is that he really competes. You know, he he's competed his whole life at other sports. He played some flag football. Uh, we mentioned the baseball thing. So it's interesting that you know what sort of what they look for and. You know the guy's gonna have he's gonna have pressure on him, but you just look at what he did. 102 kickoffs last year, 71 went for touchbacks, 16 others were a fair catch, and he averaged 44.6 on uh, on five punts in just the national title game. He kicked them out of trouble, flip field position, all of that. His kickoffs are very very high. He's able to hang the ball um, for well over four seconds, which gives you know your your gunners and and your, your just your different guys. Uh, lining up in the kickoffs to get downfield. And um, it also gives you the option of sort of, you know, sort of mortar mortar kicking, if you will, where you want to drop the ball, uh, you know, just out just outside the end zone and encourage them to have to return it, particularly if he gets that kind of hang time because you have a chance to tackle those guys inside the 25. The ball comes back to the 25, you know, if you have a touchback. So it's just interesting to hear – you know, them talk about Camarda. And I think it's also obvious that Pinion's going to be released. I mean, I don't know when. 
you know, it's possible you could bring him to camp because really, you know, the salary cap's not an issue at the moment. Um, it will be as you start to sign draft picks. But if I'm pinion, I, I can see the writing on the wall. I mean, I have a non-guaranteed contract that's $3 million they want to probably get out of. And unless this guy comes in and just, you know, is shankopotamus every, every practice, you know, you're still going to probably move on from him. So just, just really interesting that, um, you know, just the philosophy. And, and look, it's, I mean, a fourth-round pick, you can get a lot of good players in the fourth round of this draft. So that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. You know, fifth-rounder for Gay, second-rounder, um, you know, obviously for Aguayo, which was a mistake. And one that Jason Jason Light will wear, but you know, not afraid to try to get the elite of the elite. And you know, I I, I don't haven't only talked to the kid one time. He he seems uh, very unique in that he he does see himself you know as an athlete first, and uh, yeah, he punts and stuff like kicks off and stuff like that. But you know, he he's a little different that way. You can see he's got a little bit of fire in him, and uh, that's what that's what Armstrong looks for. We also talked a little bit with Larry Foote, who is the Bucks uh, now inside linebackers coach. He coached outside linebackers before, uh, and now he's a co-defensive coordinator with Casey Rogers. Of course, we know that Todd Bowles is still going to call the defense as a head coach, but those two guys will be splitting up sort of the, the defensive, uh, you know, coordinating position. One will one will sort of take take the passing game. Rogers will take the running game and so on and so forth. What was interesting was talking to Larry Foote about Devin White. And I think, you know, in fact, I know I've seen him on Instagram and others, other places push back on this. Like, I think White is annoyed, first and foremost, that people think he had a really bad year because <laughs> I, I think he just set the bar so high, you know, the previous year. I mean, he made a Pro Bowl last season, probably a year after he should have made it. Um, he was just so sensational during their playoff run uh, in their Super Bowl, you know, making big play after big play after big play. I thought he was a defensive player of the year candidate going into last season, and it just didn't happen, right? It just didn't happen for him. Um, and I, I think we get caught up in numbers, and Foote gave some good perspective with respect to White was, you know, look, a year ago, or you know, the Super Bowl year, he had nine sacks, nine, um, which is a lot for an inside linebacker. You know, he was he was in some blitz situations. Uh, you know, against Atlanta, he had three in one game. Uh, and I think what Foote told him was, look, you know, that's not going to be your standard, man. Like, you're not going to get nine sacks a year, okay, as, a, as an inside linebacker. You know, your goal is going to be three and a half, four, four and a half in there. He got three and a half last year, but he didn't blitz as much. He didn't come as much because – they had some some injuries in the secondary. They they forced him into coverage on some tight ends and some things like that, and took away his opportunities to sort of get after the quarterback. Um, but I think even White, in an honest moment, in fact, I've heard him say that you know he didn't have his best year. Uh, he he felt like he should have played better. And where he where he gets caught up sometimes is that he's a very instinctive guy, um, but sometimes you know. There, as as they said in the press conference, sometimes it's go and sometimes it's whoa, and you can't always just shoot the gap and hope that you're right, because if you're wrong, everybody's wrong. And I think Devin does that sometimes in the run game. Now it's different if you got Levante David behind you. We've talked about how he sort of erases a lot of mistakes and things like that. Um, but frankly, 
you know, White has to do kind of two things. I think, one, it, it's really hard when you win a Super Bowl, you get tons of opportunities thrown at you. And I think he spent a lot of time taking advantage of them. You know, he did some endorsement stuff, obviously. Um, he did a movie on NFL 360 about his life, about losing his brother. Uh, not that that took all his time, but he built a ranch. He built a home, uh, and, and including a beautiful ranch for his horses. Like, you know, he had he had stuff to do. And, you know, he was kind of enjoying the spoils of the Super Bowl, and I think he truly expected that he would pick up where he left off. And frankly, none of, nobody on defense did that. None of them really picked up where they left off. And then the injuries came, and that changed the dynamic of what he does. This year, I think you're going to see a different Devin White. And it was funny, Steve, what Larry Foote said. He goes, well, I try to use any carrot I can find, and all I'm telling him is, hey, man, isn't this a contract year for you? <laughs> uh, don't forget the money, you know. And sometimes that's all it takes for guys, you know. They're, they're playing for keeps, man. Well, and you kind of forget this is a contract year for him. I know. I know. You know, and, and look, he's going to get paid. The question oh, yeah. is how much. Right, exactly. And a better year, a splashier year, not just for him, but even the team, mm-hmm. will help him tremendously. So, hey, that's, you know, we see guys that have great co- uh, contract years. Absolutely. You know, we we saw, for example, Shaq Barrett didn't hurt him when he got franchised the first time, and then... What do you go out? You go out there and have 19 sacks or something like that. Well, after he had 19 sacks, he got franchised. Then he went out, and had another good year, and got the big big time contract after that. So there are plenty of guys in this league. It's funny we talked to a lot of defensive guys, and I'm trying to remember which which coach said this, but I found it to be absolutely true. And that is, you know, even though there are guys that are in the NFL and productive and playing, not all of them love football. That's hard to fathom, right, for the price that you pay when you play in the NFL and, you know, the grind and, and just the opportunities you have. But it's true. It's fundamentally true. Like some of these guys played other sports. They played basketball. They played different things. And they just turned out to be their best opportunity to be a professional was in was in a different sport, was in football. Um, I can remember covering Alex Smith, who's with the Bucks in the front office now, the tight end, and you know, his whole thing with growing up was basketball, but you know, the NBA is not full of very many six foot six post players, you know, like you're a point guard and a small one sometimes in the NBA. Uh, I'll tell you another guy and he does love football, but was absolute beast, an absolute beast on the basketball court. And that was his favorite sport was Mike Evans. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you go, you Google uh, Mike Evans basketball tape from high school Oh my God! <laughs> I mean, he was he was doing chin ups on rims all the time, you know, um, running the floor, just you know, and and even today, like he would rather talk NBA with you than anything else. Like that's his deal. Loves loves basketball. Now I think I think Mike has grown to love football. Obviously, he's you know on a hall of paint hall of fame path right now, and um, but you can also see the basketball ability, the way he bodies up guys, and his ability to to moss people and stuff like that. Um, a lot of that is, you know, from, from his basketball career. But then there are guys who just, they play the game. They like what the game brings them, um, but they don't love football. And, and I, I just think it's so hard to do at this level if you don't love the game. But there are guys like that. Devin White loves football. He loves everything about it. And for that reason, and yeah, whatever carrot you want to throw out there to him, whether it's 
you're going to be a free agent. Here's a chance to make your generational contract, all those things. I, I'm going to predict again that he's going to have a great year. Going to be a little bit different for him because he's, he may not have Sue in front of him. You'll have Vita Vea. Um, you know, he's going to have Logan Hall, it would seem, and Will Golston and some guys like that. So have some new players. Still should have Levante David if he comes back from the Liz Frank injury and all that. But I, I just think that he's going to – he's fed up too. You know, you could tell – like Larry made mention of it, that like, yeah, you know, he keeps he keeps reading and hearing how everybody thinks he didn't play well. Well, hey, whatever it takes, man. You know, like, if if you need a chip on your shoulder, there's plenty of people willing to give it to you. It's just, and I think the reason is, is just that he was so great in the postseason the year before mm-hmm. that everybody expected him to carry that on, and he just couldn't. You know, it was just, and, and there were other factors why. I mean, they, they lost so many defensive backs, and he's in coverage all the time, and, um you know, Levante got hurt, and that changed his whole game at times. It changed so, the whole defense. I mean, totally. and, and the injuries in the secondary was a big part of that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's no secret that the weakest part of his game is coverage. Coverage, right. Mm-hmm. And because of how many injuries they had in the secondary, they didn't blitz as much. They kept mm-hmm. Devin and coverage more often than you'd like. More often than Todd Bowles would probably like. But yeah. it's, it's a, the circumstances in front of the team. This is what we have to do to give us the best shot to, to win, win mm-hmm. even if it's not what's best for you, per se, for your stats in that. I mean, and Devin would rather win than anything else anyway. Sure. Oh, sure. You know, no question about that. But, you know, that the defense last year went through so many changes as injuries affected things because they had so many on the defensive end. Yeah, totally. And, and, and a lot of it was in secondary. And, and the goal was a lot of times, hey, you know, because Todd Bowles likes, he obviously likes to blitz, and he likes, if he doesn't blitz, he likes the threat of blitzing. Um, and so, you know, you you kind of got out of that when you didn't have the guys to cover on the back end. And they had so many injuries that I, I think what, what happened was, you know, they were letting a lot of guys get the underneath stuff. And, you know, Devin White was having to drop into zones, and rather than make tackles for losses, he was coming up and putting guys on the ground after they caught balls in front of him. And, you know, that's that's not the sort of style that he wants to play. He wants to shoot the gaps and make impact plays and tackles for losses and things like that. And they needed him to do something else because they were trying to keep teams from scoring quickly. Uh, and for the most part, they did. Um, I know teams threw for a lot of yards, but they also, I think uh, one of the coaches raised the stat today, it was Nick Rapone, I think the um, the safeties coach, that you look uh, – you know, teams average 41 pass attempts against us. And the reason is they can't run it. You know, they, they come in the game knowing that they're not going to make a living running the football. And he goes, you know, you look at all the yards we gave up through the air, but then, you you know, you also divide it by the pass attempts. And they were third in the league in yards per pass attempt, which is really, really good on defense in, in uh, you know, in, in pass coverage. So, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of ways to look at the numbers. But I, I do think that, you know, they, they were hamstrung by the injuries, especially in the secondary, and kind of had to do it a different way. Big year for Devin White, and, and a, you know, and obviously a, a contract year at that. So um, he should play large, and, and, and they need him to because, you know, some other guys, and we talked about this in the press conference, like you're going to have to have some guys fill this leadership void. Look, if a Sue doesn't play, he was a big leader for them. Jason Pierre-Paul, one of the biggest voices in the locker room. I mean – and I didn't know that, that he was that kind of guy when he came, when he was traded from the New York Giants, and maybe he wasn't. 
But down here in Tampa, he spoke up a lot, and he was passionate when he spoke. And I kind of asked, like, you know, how do you fill that? He goes, well, Vita Vea has got to fill it. You know, Shaq Barrett has to say more. Um, you know, some some of these guys that have been here, Devin White, obviously, you know, it, they've, they've got to step it up. You know, they've got to step up the leadership side of it. They lost guys like Kevin Minter, who, you know, is a special teams captain. You need somebody to take take that void up. And he was an experienced backup at linebacker. And um, K.J. Britt may have to take that role. So, there's you know, they're trying to get younger, but they've lost – a lot of uh, their voices in the locker room and other guys kind of have to fill that. So we'll see if they're able to do it. All right. The Rays are still at Oakland. As we do this podcast, they're trailing five to three. Uh, I guess Yarborough started the game was not that great. Give a grand slam early. So they got down five to one Brett Phillips with a Homer. So that game's still in progress, but um, not the best start by Yarborough that you would have hoped for necessarily. And they're going to need him to uh, solidify that that starting staff if they can. But with his stuff, you know, he's got to locate, 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 and he threw a, a center cut, and the guy blasted it with a couple of men on. So um, they're still battling here 5-3 to three as we as we do this podcast, so we'll see how they come out out there on the West Coast. Long West Coast trip, three teams, um, about 10 games, I think. So mm-hmm. uh, check that out also in the Tampa Bay Times and on tempbay.com. Mark Topkin is in the Bay Area, so... Good for him uh, getting to watch a little baseball on the West Coast. Uh, as we mentioned, of course, the Lightning uh, are back in Toronto tonight. Um, what else we got going on? Uh, mailbag. Let's get your mailbag questions. We've already got yeah. a few, but we're going to do that uh, probably for Friday's show. But okay, uh, we may sneak some in tomorrow's show, so just go ahead and get those in. Yeah, you can send those to us on, on Twitter, at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud. I do have a bunch of them coming in now. Uh, you can reach me also. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll see how the lightning fare tonight. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.